Great Chewie, always thinking with your stomach. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. This is episode 123. I'm Roger. I'm trapped in your computer. And this is the podcast where we each write a song in the space of a week and talk about how we wrote them in terms of the chords and the lyrics and the influences and the structures and how do people write songs, Declan? I I don't know, quite frankly. This has been like a massive voyage to try and find out. And at 123 episodes, I think you can safely say that we're making very slow progress towards working that one out. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever hear that Paul McCartney thing where somebody asked him, like, how do you write songs? Like, how do you do it? Like, what's the process? He said, I don't know. After all these years, I don't know how it works. And I thought that was really reassuring to hear. Yeah, I've not heard that. But that fills me with like a little confidence that like... If one of the Beatles still doesn't know how he did it, then I think it's fine that I'm still uh, flummoxed about how all this stuff works. Yes, it's it's a funny old craft. There's there's a touch of magic in it. There's a touch of science and uh, some knowledge you need, but a lot of it's just intuitive. I don't know. It's a whole mixed bag, isn't it? It's basically you're like you've got your magic wand in one hand, your test tubes in the other. And your inspiration has to sort of be held in your arms, like that awkward thing when you've got too many things to hold. But inspiration <laughs> is slippery, as we know, so that's why it keeps falling off. And then you look uh, at your inspiration on the floor and it's a bit dirty because it's fallen in, like, not like dirt, but like dust and muck and everything. So, like, the shiny surface is now just a bit blemished. And you just think, do I want to continue with this inspiration or do I want to go and get a fresh one? But the thing is, getting inspiration, like, you have to travel a really long way to go and get it. So, like, it's it's more effort, but you'll have a nice, shiny new inspiration. But you could just drop that one on the way home as well. So it's kind of like with Sisyphus and his boulder, like, just always trying to push it up the mountain. Like, you're always trying to walk inspiration home, but you just end up with this massive pile of inspirations uh, that have fallen on the floor and are unusable. Um, That's right, I folks. This, I hope this makes sense. <laughs> we, we reference Sisyphus on this show. We're pretty highbrow. Yeah, we're... We're cultured as heck, damn it. Don't believe the uh the the bad hype. What's no. bad hype called? Um Negative Press. Negative press. We've got a lot of that. Boy do we have a lot of negative press. But anyway, aside from all that hullabaloo... Negative press now now just makes me think of like well, I mean it's the opposite of pressing something, so it's just stretching something. <laughs> yeah, stretch. We got a lot of stretch from people. Ignore the stretch. We're like Mr. Fantastic. Please don't look. Why? Why, do, why shouldn't you look? What did he do? Uh, he well, he's a, he's a stretchy person, but I imagine he gets quite self-conscious about it. <laughs> I bet he does. Actually, I would. If I was stretchy, I would only stretch myself in private behind closed doors. I, I that would be a brilliant title, but I don't think we can use it. <laughs> I don't mean any kind of like perverse way. <laughs> I just mean my fingers or something. Um, okay, get anyway. your minds out of the gutter, people. Yeah, that's you pictured that, not me. So we take it in turns as to whose song we listen to first this week. And Declan, you have written a song this week within a week. Yes, well, this is a task that I have undertaken and performed <laughs> successfully. 123 or plus times. Uh, Broadly speaking. So what's the song this week? The song this week is got a work is got a working title of anchor uh because cl- quite clearly words are not my forte um and it goes like this give me the secret to keep in my Cannot help but look behind. So give me the secret locked in my mind. Give me the secret locked in my mind. You've been in this tale too long. Give me a moment to center my breath. I circle the void of rest and distress. Comes a minute of rest. Just give me a moment, I'll do the rest. Give me a moment. 
conversation is slow. Stop asking the question I ask every night. Give me a go, baby. Give me a fight. Give me a go and give me a fight. Wanna hold on, but I can't. That's Declan's song for week four, episode 123 of the podcast, a song called Anchor. Well, working title is Anchor, it says here. Uh, so I really like it. Really cool song. Um, Thank you. It kind Right, of gives... your song, Roger. <laughs> that's, your, that's your description. Thank you. On... No, yeah. no, it, really cool. So like, tell, tell us about it. How did it begin? Well, it began in Cornwall. Uh, I managed Ooh. to go down there for a couple of days before, uh, uh, like, the challenge ended. Uh, and just when I had a spare arrow in my room, I just started mucking about with some chords and come up with that central pattern, which is just a A flat to B flat minor to G diminished, because diminished chords are the best, to mm-hmm. A flat. And that just forms the main basis of the don't want to be an American idiot (laughs) (laughs) no that's cool so that's that's all diatonic isn't it yes I think there's only one non-diatonic chord in there which is the uh, in the chorus there's a C but it's like oh cool that's like a major three I I can cope with this Am I right in thinking that that diminished chord you use is um, kind of a... could be substituted for a, a five chord? Probably not. I'm not certain. Oh. I've, not, I've not actually tried it. Would you like me to get the guitar and try it now? No, 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 no. I was just curious because <laughs> I often see people use diminished chords in the place of a five because uh, the, the natural diminished is often like the upper extension of the five... Uh, you know, dominant seven chord. Well, with a uh, with a five, it would sound something like this, and I'm aware that you're not going to be able to hear this over the phone, but it would be something like... Or with a G in the bass. As opposed to... Kind of a lot of the character comes more from uh like the D and the B flat there as opposed to like uh the tones that you would share with a uh a five chord. That's interesting. It's like the difference a chord makes. Uh yeah. I I, th- I much prefer it with the diminished. Uh, the, the other way it sounds too happy. <laughs> well, it just sounds a bit like um like I quite like that as a repeating section because it's quite tight and compact tonally. Like it's only going a, like a tone or a semitone outside of the original chord. Mm. Tones in the original chord. So it's just kind of nice that way, and then it allows you to open up for later bits. Uh, but this is kind of like one of those songs where, like, for some reason, uh, just I I was just finding it hard to try and come up with words in Cornwall, so I ended up coming up with words in uh in Bristol on the Sunday when I was trying to finish it off. Uh 
but that means that when I was composing, I was sort of composing bits and pieces as opposed to composing of like, uh, you know, I know the point I need to make here is to get to this part. It's like, okay, so I've got a main section, an A section, a B section. I can use that for a bridge. <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> assembling all these bits later. Sort of like an Ikea songwriting challenge. Pretty much, or like just a shopping list of like, okay, I'm likely to need a component that goes like that. <laughs> I'm likely to need something that will like have the five in it, so I'll put that bit in. <laughs> yeah, can't forget you diminished or else the whole thing will... That's a load-bearing chord. <laughs> that's a great title. Um, kind, But yeah, kind of. It's kind of uh, uh, just like, well, I know these bits... If you arrange them in a certain order, we'll make up a song and it will sound okay. <laughs> what the right. intended mood will be, we we have no idea. It probably won't be straying very far from the original point, but it's just kind of like, okay, I know this will work. Yes, yes, which is a good place to st- to kind of continue from, isn't it? Hmm. But uh, there's kind of only one bit that I sort of composed with a specific purpose, which was the bridge. Because uh, uh, I've been sort of debating whether I can get like a crowd to sing along with something short and simple, uh, and if it's repeated often enough, to try and do like um, you know, come on everybody, join in, you'll be joining with an original song and like <laughs> uh, you know, supporting musicians. So that's why the bridge bit is like it's like really short, just repeats, but like. You could pick up that tune quite quickly because there's only like two or three notes in it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I think a good sing-along section never goes amiss. Mm. I mean, we haven't tried this one out yet. I shall report back to you next week. Like, you just <laughs> go like, so Declan, how did you go? It was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, some listeners of the podcast will actually be there. Yes. So, hello. <laughs> hello to you. Uh, so now, if you've heard... Actually, no. Um, I'll be trying this out tomorrow. Okay, this so... This won't be going up for a couple of weeks. So, uh, when you actually hear this, people who will be at the specific open mic nights that I frequent in Bristol, uh, if you could get in your TARDIS, go back about 10 days, <laughs> and say to uh, your younger self, okay really important you need to do this thing and i can't explain why otherwise i'll mess up the continuum just make sure you're as annoying as i am when you become me and you go back in time <laughs> sorry for um excluding every other listener there but i think that was an important point to make for us yes i mean it's it, it, it's just good time travel etiquette really to try exactly. and make sure like if i have this power i'm going to abuse it to get minor sing-alongs going to original songs <laughs> <laughs> well have you, you got did... a time machine are you going to save like all these like people from famous historical disasters are you going to go and see like the wonders of the ancient world <laughs> are you going to go and clear up any of these historical mysteries no what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage more people to join in with my music <laughs> yeah who wants to go back in time and actually you know see the world yeah, oh, that's that's just for chumps, that is. You can do that with a space machine, not a time machine. <laughs> Otherwise known as a car. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, you're not wrong, but... <laughs> you're not wrong! No, true. Um, oh, interesting little fact. Uh, yes. If you were to take your car and somehow drive vertically up, it would only take you an hour to get to space. Oh, I'll leave now then. Yeah, if you drove a mile a minute, because uh, the atmosphere is so thin, it would only take you an hour, and then you're technically in what is classed as space. I mean, you'll wow. still fall to Earth. You won't have escaped like Earth's gravity or anything, but like uh, technically, you'll be living the high life. Wow. Okay, well... So, wait, space is as far away from me as Exeter. Yes. That's crazy. Also, another thing, the Vatican Library is 50 miles long, which which is the same length from my house to Exeter. Well, I mean, the Vatican Library is literally the distance to space. Maybe that's why it's 50 miles long. <gasps> Maybe it is. Anyway, about your song. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so uh so you you wanted to write your sing-along section you got your bridge there yeah i got the other core components i was just like right i, ca I can't put words to this to later so i did and it's another case of that kind of uh, thing I mentioned last episode of because these songs were written relatively uh, close together, but also to the last minute. It's kind of like it's picking a first line and writing into the abyss, which gives mixed results. Um, <laughs> which, for what it's worth, I think this is better than my last go at doing it. Um, but it needs a rewrite. Definitely needs a rewrite. Um but it's one of those things like you get a good opening line, like give me the secret to keep my, my eye forward and focus and on your side. It's just like, okay, cool. Yes. Even if this ends up as whiny bull crap, like you're not going <laughs> to go too far wrong. Like, uh, like it's a good starting point. So it's just kind of writing through like that and trying to assemble, okay, which bit will go here when I'm writing this. So like, oh, I could use that B section now. Oh, I could use a chorus now. Oh, I could use this now. It's a really good set of lyrics. It does help to have that starting point of like, oh, I'm really pleased with how the first lines come out. It's a good sort of foundation. Uh, thank you. But like I was saying last week that this is kind of like last that week four song is kind of week three song, but better or like done correctly. <laughs> right, um, right. I still hold to that, but I mean more in terms of like musicalness. Musicality, okay. I should say. Musicalness. You know, with the <laughs> notes and everything. Um <laughs> But it's yeah, a very cromulent word choice there, Declan. <laughs> <laughs> um, You've been big and all of the listeners. <laughs> Sorry, go on. God damn you and your Simpsons references. Um, yeah, like the different musical passages are more developed because I actually had a bit more time to like develop them through. So they're a bit longer. They've got more unique travels through them. Like, for example, you've got at the end of the choruses, you've got that c sharp to e flat repeating bit but like it sounds different because you managed to get the bass rising each time which is something that just i think sounds quite nice as an interesting way of doing things um or like uh like you've got a b section in there you've got like a bridge that sort of fits in with the main verse structure and things like that as opposed to just being like their last minute going like Here's some chords. Right. Here's right. a note. Go. I, I love how you um you used pacing in this song. I thought the pacing was really good. And I think what really did it for me was like the intro starts with that chord progression and you kind of expect a certain delivery of the words. And then in the verses, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the verses, the way I remember it, you kind of do a line of lyrics followed by an instrumental bar or two followed by lyrics, but then when it gets to the next section, following that, you're singing on every every bit, right? Pretty much, yeah. I thought I that was a really cool trick. Thank you. It comes back to that thing I think you mentioned last time about leaving space. It's just like when we were recording that, it's like oh yeah, yep. I've, I've already taken this on board. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, that verse section was a pain in the bum to record. Uh, yeah? Because the timing's slightly weird on it. Uh, how so? So, like, instead of each thing being like discrete, like four blocks, like uh, when you when you get to that, you still got three four of a bar to go. Oh yeah. Uh, so you end up three four one two three four one two three four, which, like, it's fine if you're just doing that with yourself and an acoustic guitar. Because, mm. like, you know when you're about to sing, you're in control of everything at the same time. But, like, when you're, like, recording it and you have to try and, uh, like, sort of leave the appropriate gap without singing it, and it's just kind of like, oh, wait, no, what's the timing of this one again? <laughs> so I had to have the metronome on loud just so that, and, like, a very distinctive first click of the bar just so that I knew, right, three, four, one, two, three, four, okay, right, here we go again. But then that throws you off because you're used to making that space. And then when you get to like the other sections, which are four on the bar, <laughs> it's just like, wait a minute. No, this sounds weird now because you're leaving different amounts of gap. Why am I doing this? Oh, man. The joys of recording, right? <laughs> joys of recording. 
it's one of those ones I dread taking to a band because you need a drummer who's very good at keeping time and who would have to do like a little signal, just like a tiny little brum, just to get everyone in on the same time. Mm, mm, definitely. Um, which is one of those lovely things where I think as a musician playing the song, you're hyper aware of that. You go, okay, that's the difficult part. We need someone who can bring us in on time. Whereas to the listener, like they're just bopping along, you know, <laughs> like they don't know the struggle you're doing. Yeah, um, um, it's 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 a miracle if they can count to four correctly. <laughs> Not to throw shade on every music listener ever, but like Jesus fucking Christ, some of the people I've seen cannot keep in time and they cannot count to four. Like... How do you cope with actual life? <laughs> <laughs> Thing is, in in this world we live in, it's not a sin to uh, not be able to count music, but you need to be able to do the other stuff, whereas I'm the opposite. <laughs> I can only do the music stuff. <laughs> but it's oh, just... Dear. But it's just like, I don't know if you ever have this, but when you're in like a crowd of people and it's like a musician's trying to go like, everybody clap together on the beat. <laughs> and then like uh, everyone else starts clapping but they start like thinking it's like a football clap or something they go <laughs> it's just like how how can you not keep a regular beat yeah <laughs> how like I don't think this is difficult you've heard music before <laughs> in most cases when people do that like they're playing cover songs so you know how fast the song should go I so, know <laughs> It just drives me nuts, and I I know it's irrational, but it just does. <laughs> I just imagine you kind of like blowing up at people, like clap properly. <laughs> no, I just I just clap louder, but on the correct tempo, just to throw everybody <laughs> off. <laughs> just moving your hands closer and closer to their ear, so yeah, this is how you do it. <laughs> yeah, one, two, three, four. Do you understand yet? <laughs> Oh, uh, Declan versus the general public. Uh. <laughs> that should be the name of one of your albums. <laughs> An album D sorted. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I thought I thought your song this week was really cool. Um, I actually I like you know I liked last week's song, but I actually do get what you mean about it being week song. Week, sorry, week three song, but like improved. Um, I like them both equally, but I, I can see sort of where that came from yeah one of them i wasn't massively ill when i was trying to finish it off so who who know who knew uh be, being well helps your songwriting yeah i think anchor is definitely the um the sequel you know it's the aliens to last week's alien right <laughs> yes um no very cool very very cool is is there anything else um you wanted to cover on that song that we haven't spoken about no. Okie dokie then. Um, Okie dokie. Uh, this week I wrote a song. Did um, you? Yes, just like most other weeks. Um, Golly gee willikers, what a turn up for the books. But this week it has a different title to the other weeks. Oh, and what a week, shock. It's called Behind Enemy Lines and it goes like this.
mind Cut in my only lifeline Selling my only tool And sometimes out of the ashes I climb Only to find myself again Behind enemy lines Well, that was Roger's song for this week, Behind Enemy Lines. And you know what? If I was behind enemy lines, this would give me some great comfort and like uh, some hope to carry on through whatever difficult situation I would unreasonably have found myself in. It's a beautiful little song. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Douglas. I appreciate the um, <laughs> the comment there. Um, no, yeah. thanks. Guys. If I was trapped... <laughs> Uh, like in an enemy in an enemy's <laughs> base or something I listen to this and I feel like life's not so bad actually I, you know I might I might be killed by the oppressor but you know what I, I... I, I'd be I'd be content with my life with this little <laughs> song going on I like it I do this recurring theme of you um referencing the song title in your comment about it, you know what it means. It means that over the next coming weeks, I'm going to try and write the most ridiculous titles. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this has been the plan. <laughs> I'm lay, you've laid down the gauntlet and I'm knocking them down, mixing two completely different phrases. <laughs> you lay down the gauntlet and I'll knock it down. Yeah, it's like, I'm not sure that's what you're supposed to do, Roger. <laughs> Just leave him. He's happy. He's happy. He's happy. Uh, right <laughs> but yes I like this song it's very good it's also slightly different to like the songs that you've been writing recently it's kind of more like a, well it's piano based for a start and then it's also kind of this very wistful sort of feel or this sort of melancholic uh, tones running through it how did you start about on this one well um, it kind of came from a different influence to normal um, I was listening Cocaine. to that's the one. Yeah. I took some cocaine and I wrote the most downbeat song I've ever written in my life. Sorry, ketamine. <laughs> or um, what's the other one people like? Um, dope. Um, no. Um, I was listening to the Bee Gees late one night. Of course you were, because that comes through really well in the final recording. Well, the funny thing with the Bee Gees is there's lots of different eras to the Bee Gees. Um, so most people know them for like the sort of, um, you know, staying alive, Saturday Night Fever sort of thing, uh, which is great. Um, but then they ha also had this sort of like folk rock thing going on in the 60s. And then between the 60s and the mid 70s, where they started getting disco-y, they had this really cool era where like they just wrote these really, really sad songs on piano. We'll insert one here. And how did I begin to lose my self-control How did I begin to lose Wow, wasn't that sad? I'm so unhappy. I'm going to just chuck myself out this window a sec. Hold on. <laughs> we should add some really good foley there. Just like the goofy noise. Yeah! <laughs> um, so I was listening to the Bee Gees and... Um, I was in, I don't know, you know, we all feel this sometimes. I was in a kind of downbeat mood, and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to try and be honest with this song and just write something that is, like, a bit more melancholy. And I haven't written, like, a piano ballad like this in in a while. I think the last one, God, what was the last one? Maybe, like, Lost and Out of Love, but even that was written on guitar. Um, But anyway, I've missed writing piano ballads because they're one of my favourite types of songs, you know? Like, John Grant and stuff. We've spoken about John Grant before, and... Elton John, mm. Billy Joel, um, some of Paul McCartney's slower songs. These are all kind of like my favourite types of songs. Um, so I thought I'd write one like that. So um, kind of went so, to piano. Yeah, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, like, essentially what you're saying is that you want to be an unmerry balladeer. Exactly. And who doesn't in this rake-a-day world? Rake-a-day world? That's not what it is, is it? Was it something-a-day world? Whatever it is, that's the title now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went to the piano and I sat down and I found sort of an A section 
and a B section. And I thought, let's keep it simple, because that's my kind of phrase this this season, just keep it simple, stupid. Um, so I came up with this chord progression, which goes G major, G7, C major, D7, G, F, C, D. Um, so largely within the scale, but borrowing the sort of um, it's G7, but G7 over F, so there's an F in the bass, so it kind of has this F major type of thing going on there as well, so it's kind of almost a borrowed chord from the G minor scale. Um, gives it a little bit of a sort of um, lift and tension and release. Mm. Um, and then my B section is, uh, for the, for the uh, sometimes out of the ashes I rise part, it goes E minor, A7, E minor, B7, and then E E minor over E, E minor over D, E minor over C, and D7. Now, so playing a lot with the bass. I like playing around with bass. It's so much fun. Well, that's the great thing with piano, isn't it? It's just, it's it's all there for the taking. Yeah, it's a lot easier to do it rather than if you're on the guitar just going like, well, this is going to hurt my fingers, but I have to get the uh, <laughs> over the third in there somehow. <laughs> yeah, even if, it just, even if I pull a muscle. But um, I remember, like, you've, you've said to me before, like, because we both play piano and we both play guitar, and you've said to me before, like, oh, you just, like, you played, like, the the first and the fifth and in the left hand a lot. So, like, you know, if I'm playing a C major, I'll play a C and a G, and I'll kind of, like, alternate between them. So I like to kind of, like, play with, like, trying to alternate or, or like mix it up a little bit you know um, just so because if you put new bass tones behind a chord or on the bottom of a chord you get a totally different sounding chord which i love mm, exactly it's just it expands the palette somewhat mm, mm. absolutely yeah um and this was one where i wrote the lyrics at the same time as the chords um they all came pretty easily because um like I say, I wanted to be kind of like honest with the song and I wanted it to be about like one thing. And uh, so I thought like writing about something because the first lyric I got was whisper never again. I mean it. Um, so it's kind of a song about making a promise to yourself and then breaking it um, and just finding yourself kind of like over and over again in this perpetual loop. And mm. uh, and, you know, we all have something like that in our lives, some vice. And for me, it's just if I had the complete dominion over myself, I would never watch porn again, right? Um, it's not like a huge thing for me, but it's just like, it's not the best thing and I'm not a huge fan of it, but I keep coming back to it. And this is a song about that, basically. Um, rather than sort of skirt around what it's about, it's, it's basically about that. Like, I don't want to watch it, <laughs> and I do. Um, so just, you know, swearing one of these days I'll beat it, taking a hand in fate seems ever so hard to do. Basically, this thing of like trying to overcome yourself like trying to just sort of you know that something in you is holding you back but you're the one who needs to change it and you struggle seems, with that it seems a bit like a microcosm of like the broader theme of what you've been writing about throughout the season like uh waiting for a change to come and that sort of thing and like uh needing some uh like impetus to sort of start the change uh which is kind of what i've been writing about as well so it's kind of we we've been very on brand for this part of the podcast, but like for the uh, for the end of the season, shall we try and just write about random silly things? That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, like uh, next uh, next episode will come in like I wrote my song about a spaceman in a purple rocket. What did you write yours about? <laughs> well, I wrote mine about uh, an undersea society where everything is ruled by a wise queen. Praise <laughs> be to her. I'll leave you to work out who was uh, who was who in that section. It could be either way, really. But it'd be, be funny if we did that, because, like, usually the songs are, like, you know, quite personal and, you know, maybe, like, touches on, like, personal aspects of our lives. But the banter and the chat is always upbeat. I think it'd be funny if it was the opposite. This is my song about submarines. And then we go, like, yeah, I suppose uh, I wrote an E minor because it's a sad chord and uh... yeah, like, it's, it's a song about like a fantastical society of like uh like uh undersea dwellers or something but then like uh so uh actually uh to Roma, who is actually the king of the undersea kingdom 
he his wife is cheating on him. So <laughs> I thought I'd represent this with a E minus us four. So like he's hopeful, but then like he's he's just he he can't really deal with it anymore. So that's why it transitions to the E flat diminished there, just to show his his crushed hope and that yeah. nothing is worth anything. And by the end um, of the song, he he drowns. I thought you said is, he had gills. Yeah, but life is short. Yeah, he's he's helped in this uh, assisted suicide by Sparkle the Magic Seahorse, who was an <laughs> upbeat character of fun in the first half of the song. But as time goes on, you realize that he's an agent of fate and an agent of death. Sparkle the Magic Seahorse, we're, we're, he's coming for us all in the end. Yeah, and, and Chris the Happy Crab. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, let's let's stick to writing sad songs and <laughs> and being happy about it. Like, yeah, my life's in pieces. Hooray! <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I suppose this this song is kind of a microcosm, like you say, of, of what I've been writing about recently. Um, it's very difficult not to write about what's going on in your life, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, like even if you end up writing about something else, which I want to do more of, like things are just gonna feed in because of how you're feeling at the time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean the whole the whole lyrical theme for me recently has been like, this sounds so stupid and obvious, but I've just realised I've had this big realisation of like, if I want my life to change, it's me who's got to do it. You can't just wait around for somebody. <laughs> like I'm re- I'm the one who's responsible. So, so yeah. Um, I was quite pleased about this song in the sense that I was able to have a through line through the whole thing where like it it kind of is all about the same thing but like it develops and like um oh yeah that's one thing I wanted to touch on is like the verses you know the whisper never again I mean it and swearing one of these days I'll beat it they're kind of talking about the problem itself and then the choruses when it goes sometimes out of the ashes I climb it kind of like the tonality of the chord and the melody changes a bit and lifts and like the the lyrics kind of lift with it and says like um you know there is hope you know sometimes i climb i rise out of the ashes and then it goes back into the minor and descends again you know only to fall back down again behind enemy lines um so i was quite pleased with the sort of shape of the chorus if, if you will yeah the two sections have two different emotional meanings even though they're linked to the same topic and i did uh one of your um your favorite tricks which i'm a big fan of as well Ooh. which is uh and we both love this it's like when you have a chorus but you develop the chorus so that one or two of the choruses have a slightly different meaning so um it's such a fun thing to do because it implies that the journey is actually changed in the song and you've literally had to change a word or two and it's suddenly like wow he's so deep exactly I, I mean this is one i think of quite often but kate bush said in an interview once like she said she had friends um, who just like would record a chorus and then copy and paste it in in their Logic or Pro Tools or whatever, and she said that completely takes away from the reason you should make music, which I completely agree with in a sense because it's like you can make your second chorus have a completely like nuanced, different meaning to your first chorus, like you say, just by changing a word or two, or even by like bringing in another electric guitar or something. Yeah, like uh, the same set of words could be said if they're ambiguous enough, could be said in a like a uh, quiet questioning tone for like a small vo- uh, chorus, and then they can be defiant by the end of it. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, an example of something like that recently. It changes the words as well, but like, um, uh, like Abba, um, I still have faith. The chorus for that um, starts off, "Do I have it in me?" and then like by the end of that that's grown to this big like bombastic we do have it in us Mm. and (sighs) like it's just like yes you change what the chorus means throughout the course of the song well done you get a gold star (laughs) well done Abba I didn't think you had it in you (laughs) (laughs) well done Abba it's not as if we talk about how good you are at songwriting all the time anyway but you know you did it one out of one. <laughs> I d- I definitely think that's a, that's a cool thing to try. Like even if like even if you're just writing a song and you have a chorus, like when you're demoing it, 
because no one maybe will hear the demo ever, just like try changing I to you in the in the last chorus or something, or like try changing then to now or whatever it is, just the tense or like the you know the appropriation or, or whatever, or like something like I should to I will. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, it's those little changes. I think sometimes with songwriting we think like oh we need to like come up with some vastly different thing but sometimes like a change of the bass note or a change of like the the past to present tense can just do wonders for a song i mean you can extend this in some ex- uh, to some degree to the chords as well like for example in my song this week you've got two choruses that are exactly the same they resolve to the uh to the uh chord that secure the song um but on the final one, you change the last line to sort of imply that something has changed, but then it also resolves to a different thing. It, instead of resolving to the one, it resolves to a four. Ah, oh, nice. Which, again, it's just like, it, I, I've changed, what, four words and one chord, and there's a slightly different meaning there. It implies some progress. Absolutely. That's, that's as easy as it is. Yeah, it, there's no big, like, you know, truck driver key change or anything like that. Um, you haven't had to compose a whole new section. You haven't had to, like, come up with an entire side's worth of words. It's just like... No, the chorus is still the anchor point of the song, but, like, the anchor point doesn't always, like, rest in the same place. Yes. If, it's, if a song is a journey, then you're putting the anchor down at various points, and it's still the same message, but it's got a different meaning. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, again, from that same Kate Bush interview, she says something along the lines of, "The only two two songs you have as a as a recording artist are time and sound," which I I thought was so good because if you look at it with those two aspects, those two components, what you do with the sound over the course of time, it really needs to have some variety to it, and those varieties don't have to be massive things. Um, yeah, just little changes. Mm. Like whether it's just a production thing of like the song is slowly growing more or less confident or like whether we're saying like you've reached some emotional catharsis therefore you're not saying the same thing you were five minutes ago or you know or even if it's just like even if it is just like a truck driver's gear change but it's exactly the same thing that implies some lift some heightened emotional state like there's so much you can do with choruses and people don't. And I get why, because the chorus is meant to be the big hook and the big catch and everything, and, like, it's the thing that you're meant to be drawn to. Mm. But, like, there's ways to have your cake and eat it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's just a willingness to allow yourself to experiment. Mm. Like, that's what it comes down to for me, anyway. I mean, it's things like, if I'm playing a song in C major and I play my C major chord on the piano, what happens if I move my thumb down to a B? What does that sound like? You know, no one's going to get hurt in the process if I haven't done that before. No one need even know that I'm doing this, but, hey, actually, that sounds pretty cool. What if I move it down again to an A? You know, and you just kind of, like, play around and maybe you move the top part of the chord up and down. You just kind of see what you come up with, and those little changes can just be instrumental no pun intended in improving your songwriting or like even when it comes down to words like well what happens if i suddenly decide to have the last verse chorus like take place five years later than the main body of the work like does anyone ever know will they know yes yes does it does it matter no but yes like it doesn't matter in the sense of like the core police aren't going to come running in (laughs) and like uh the lyric Smiths are suddenly going to like demand your resignation but like it can just make all the difference absolutely in fact um on that point one of the things that i try sometimes is just like just in my own little world in my own head i think to myself this last verse is going to be from the perspective of x or, or like this is going to be uh you know i'm going to try and kind of mine a little bit deeper here for this section um just those sort of internal changes. One thing I've been doing recently, which I'm surprised I haven't spoken about more on the podcast, is uh, I've been using Oblique Strategies, which were developed by uh, Brian Eno of Roxy Music. And they're like a set of cards, but there's a digital version as well, uh, obliquestrategies.com, um, where you refresh the page... Was Brian you... Eno Roxy Music? Was he? I thought he was, 
I don't think he was. I thought he was more working with like Bowie and stuff in the seventies. Was he not in Roxy Music? That's going to change my so. whole that's, world view. That's Brian Ferry that was in Roxy Music. Um, hold was on, Brian Eno not involved? I thought he played the synthesizer. Uh, no, Roxy Music. You're quite correct. Yes. I, I've I've lost. I've lost. Uh, I. I I just thought I was losing my mind there for a minute. No, it's just I don't associate him with Roxy Music. I always think of it as just Brian Ferry's thing. No, I'm completely wrong. I do apologise. On you go. Well, um, he after Roxy Music and that he developed um, he developed this this there was a set of cards at the time a deck of cards called Oblique Strategies, and um, I can't say strategies today. And they have a website too obliquestrategies.com where you go along instead of drawing a, a fresh card you refresh the page and it gives you a prompt and it's just it's a really interesting internal process sometimes to like go ah oh, what should this next verse be like what should the perspective be and you go onto oblique strategies and it'll give you um it'll give you a suggestion i'll bring up one right now to prove it uh so i think oh what should my next verse be and here it says consult other sources promising slash unpromising and it's kind of vague but like you kind of go like you know it gets you thinking basically mm, gets the old noodle going yeah it gets the old noodle flowing yeah exactly uh so that's a cool tool and that yeah it's a very cool tool would you mind spelling out the website for all of our listeners seeing as you have trouble saying strategies today <laughs> strategies i keep saying it is dash s-t-r-a-t-e-g-i-e-s dot com and we'll put that in the uh, SoundCloud um, uh, description as well damn we should have got Brian Eno, Brian Eno to sponsor us even though I can't say his name ah. <laughs> Brian Lino come talk about your strategies <laughs> hey uh, Brian Ego why don't you come over here and talk about how you weren't in Roxy Music? <laughs> My mate says you weren't in Roxy Music. You were going to prove him wrong. I'm so embarrassed that I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm normally like Mr. Like, I know everything about music. So You are, like, actually. I can't believe I made such a fundamental mistake. I'm going to throw myself out the window again. Hold on one sec. Twice in one show, folks. Oh, there we go. Got and he's back. back. He just took the lift up. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky the lift is near the uh, landing pad. No, it's just like uh, throwing out the window. It's like literally two feet off the ground or something. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> this is it. Goodbye. <laughs> oh. A man fell from a first story window today. He survived. <laughs> uh, it'd be a ground floor window over here. Oh, yeah. Ground. Yeah. What's first then? First is the upper one. First is when you the first time you go upstairs. Wait, so in America, do they call the ground floor the first story? Yep. See, I used to live in America well, they, when I was a little well, baby. Well, they say floors in America more, and we say story over here. So it's like the ground floor, first story, second story, etc., etc. When I lived in America, they called them stories. Did they? Well, quite clearly, I'm wrong then. Um, this is Roxy in one Music. Podcast. Ah. It's no, all see, coming undone. My lies, my web of deceit. It's all. Ah. Thing is, you know your shit. So whenever you say like, "Oh no, that's wrong," I I doubt myself hugely. So whenever I'm right about something, it's like a shock to me. Can you I tell know you a, your stuff? Can I tell you a secret? I don't actually know my stuff. I've got loads oh. of half remembered little facts. The thing is, you just say it with enough confidence, and you can get anyone to believe anything. So for example, oh. the moon doesn't exist. Oh, it's okay. just an illusion. Like, uh, there is a rock, but, like, it's not actually in orbit around our planet. Like, it's just, like, some weird, like, light effect. I think it's actually meant to be, like... I can't remember if it's in Mars or the asteroid belt, but there is actually no moon. Well, fair enough. I heard it from Declan, so I'll believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the things I've learned about the world from Declan Kitchener. <laughs> yeah, like, when you go out and interact with the real world, it's like... Hang on, what? none of this makes sense. It's not how he told me it was. <laughs> Look, there's Brian Eno with Roxy Music. <laughs> Just walking down the street in my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. Dearie, oh, dearie. Oh, oh, dearie me. Oh, no.
So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you have any thoughts about the show that you'd like to send in, if you have a song that you've written in a week that you want to send in and have us listen to on air, uh, if you are just feeling a bit down, a bit depressed, about blue. Spark- a bit blue about Sparkle the Magic Seahorse, who is also sparkly blue, um, for blue is the deepest colour, then why not write into us at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com and be sure to mark your subject line Sparkle the Magic Seahorse. Um, uh, you can find us on the internet and in various other internet-related places on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I think uh, at um, weekly so- if you just search for Weekly Song Podcast, just type it into Google things will come up if we're there we're there if we're not then you know go somewhere else I guess yeah exactly not a lot that we can do about it Um, Roger yeah where is your music online have you had any out recently (laughs) well it's funny you should ask Um, (laughs) sound like I paid you to say that Um, yes I have had music out recently and yes it is online Um, I recently released an EP called Y2K. He recently, 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 recently released. Um, featuring some songs from last season, some songs that weren't written as weekly songs, and so on. Uh, and yeah, uh, it's on Apple Music and Spotify and uh, Deezer and Tidal and all the places that people listen to music. I've also put out two yeah. acoustic videos of songs from that EP, Ouija Board and All Familiar Skies, which are on YouTube, which is Roger Heathers. And I'm on Instagram, at Roger Heathers. Um, follow me there. Um, if you want, but if you don't want, that's fine too. And uh, where can people find you and your music, Declan? Um, where did I leave it again? Hold on. <laughs> um, if you search Declan Kitchener Music on Facebook and YouTube, you will find my things there. Uh, I have music that is on Spotify and iTunes, and I don't know about Deezer and Tidal. They, they seem like two cool platforms for me to have my music on, but like, it, probably... Have a go. Let's have a look. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that's that's about that's about it. Do check uh, out Declan's music. Um, you've got an al- he's got an album out and he's got um, an EP out, um, and both are really good and well worth checking out. Thank you. Twenty quid's in the post. Uh, so yeah, we shall see you next week for episode one, two, four, week five of this season with two brand new songs. Whoop, whoop. Indeed. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Ta-ra. Ta-ra.